Welcome to Boxes and Lines, a different kind of finance podcast from a different kind of stock exchange. Featuring IEX founder Ronan Ryan and Chief Market Policy Officer John Ramsey. Now here to give you the straight talk on how the markets really work. It's Ronan and JR. Welcome everybody to the latest episode of Boxes and Lines. Welcome to Boxes and Lines. Welcome to Armando Diaz. <laughs> oh, jeez. Usually I say the names. I know. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Welcome to our special Don't guest, Armando that. Diaz. Apologies, <laughs> Armando. Many of you in the industry know him from many, many years, but Armando now is the CEO of PureStream. He's going to tell us about uh, the company. But first of all, we'll start with the easy question for you. Um, tell us about yourself. How did your career lead you to where you are now as the founder of PureStream? Yeah, first off, thank you. Uh, I've been a longtime listener. It's a great podcast, and uh, I can't tell you how many Thank times you. both of you and your guests have uh, impacted uh, my views. So it really is a, uh, a, a great podcast, and I'm well, delighted to be here. very flattering. Yeah. Very flattering. You, you, can you, stay. you can stay. You can stay. Absolutely. We might even invite you back. And if you have any uh, recommendations for how we could monetize uh, the podcast, I would you know, that appreciate that too. Well, when John rarely uh, says smart things during the day, I uh, always tell him, save it for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you brought your A game. <laughs> so uh, I started my career at Goldman. I spent 20 years there. I spent seven at City and five on the buy side at Millennium, and all in equities. So I have experienced the, the search for liquidity, the provision of liquidity, matching on liquidity for uh, 30 years on both sides. So I have a good understanding of, of the standards, the expectations of institutions. But, I, so but when I you were on the sell side, Armando, were you you were on both cash and electronic, right? And then yeah, on the buy side, you, did, you like you ran all the trading at Millennium. Is that correct? That, that's right. It was it was uh, cross asset, but overwhelmingly yeah. equities. But but that that uh, first point you made, Ronan, is something of a great deal of pride that I have in that the first six years of my career, I, w- I would say, were pre-electronic, right, or electronic as we know it mm. today, um, where, yes, it was screen-based, but it was also telephonic. We were, we were calling the other brokers. So I have a very visceral understanding of what the algo is doing because I actually literally did it. Now, the, <laughs> second, the second part of what you, you know, brought up, is also true. I've been around for 100% of the modern electronification of, of, of the market. And I was part of the due diligence team at, at Goldman that acquired Hull, uh, which became the cornerstone of electronic trading. So, um, yeah, all of that has, has definitely led up to PureStream. Nice. He's That's- been He's been around the block. He has been around the block, and obviously, uh, you know what you're talking about, which means that we're going to have to bring our A game, uh, <laughs> or at least pretend that we know what we're talking about. Uh, but then, so what? I, I'm always fascinated by what it is that motivates somebody. I mean, I assume that you didn't wake up uh, one day and say, "I'm going to start my own firm." Um, I assume there was some uh, process to it um, over a period of time. But, but still, uh, assuming that one has a fairly um, secure, comfortable job, um, it's a pretty big decision to launch the kind of thing that you did. What, what was that process like? Well, yeah, it took a long time. I actually was not at a firm when I decided. Uh, it had always been something in, in the back of my mind. But probably like most people, 
I, I just didn't see it. Uh, I, I didn't see w- what the path was forward or what the product would be. So it was kind of forced upon me, and it, it took a long time. I think actually getting the cash from investors was, even during COVID, uh, was a faster process than convincing myself that I and uh, whoever my co-founders would, would become would be able to do this. So you're right. It is a very, very tall hurdle to convince yourself that it's, it's, it's worth taking the, the, you know, the risk associated with it. But, you know, it's, it's an interesting uh, process because, you know, I bounced it off people that I had known for a really, really long time. And the response was unanimous and it actually started to pick up steam, right? So I, I, one of my co-founders, Yogesh Wagel, I'd reached out to him. We started to, I started to bounce ideas off him and he basically jumped into the boat. He was like, yeah, this is a really good idea. And then, you know, I reached out to Sean Hoover and asked him about, you know, certain uh, concepts. And he was like, this is a great idea. So if it wasn't for their reactions, yeah, I probably wouldn't have had the courage to do it. And I I shouldn't neglect um, my first co-founder was uh, Joe Delarosa, who who hired Sean and I at Goldman Sachs. And he's he's a he's a pretty tough acted convince and his reaction also was quite positive so that john is 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 the backdrop uh to it you know subject matter experts getting together bouncing off an idea somewhat in need and uh figuring out it's worth it's worth the chance but then i mean having that kind of validation obviously helps but um you but but i would assume you need to have some kind of a fairly strong core sense of conviction yourself that mm. this really makes sense that i can make a difference because you're in anybody launching any kind of new business but a partic- particularly in one that's as competitive as this this industry is mm. um you have to have a pretty strong sense of uh, uh conviction that you can actually make a difference and make it work yeah i i guess the only thing that I could think of is someone like the IEX team. I was a little bit of an entrepreneur within City while Thor was being marketed. We developed something called Total Touch. And that experience definitely informed the broader decision, or as you said, the, you know, the conviction necessary. And at Millennium, um, likewise, we built something that was called the Millennium Exchange and and you know, convincing Izzy that we needed X millions of dollars was a early practice for getting in front of people and asking them for the money required to, to build uh, what PeerStream became. So, yeah, I, I, I guess that experience of being an entrepreneur is really valuable. And, uh, yeah, probably should have mentioned that before. <laughs> well, yeah. to hear you tell, it sounds like you had an easier time raising money than Ronan. The way Ronan tells it, they had like <laughs> well, it's, a lot of time. It's, it's funny. I have to believe it had something to do with his foul mouth, but... Um, <laughs> D- different different time, different era, different guys, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. funny when you were talking about uh, conviction. I, I guess w- when, when we came up with the concept, we came up with the concept while we were at RBC. Mm-hmm. And not the end concept, but I, I, I'll never forget it... Uh, the four of us who started it were in a room one day at RBC and Brad goes, Hey, I, w- I was talking to my wife and she goes, are you sure you guys want to do this? And, and uh, does, does everybody want to do it? Right. And it's kind of like your conversation with your co-founders and Brad goes, you know, what do you think the odds of success of us of, of doing this? And we all wrote it down on a piece of paper 
Yeah. And he wrote 25% and he was by far the highest. Oh and I'm like, are we God. all, are we yeah. all out of our fucking minds? I think I wrote 12. Wow. But, um, obviously our idea uh, changed quite a bit over time. And right. again, this was 2012 and, um, you know, we, we were met a little bit differently where a lot of people <laughs> were asking us why we were leaving a good job to mm-hmm. join a vendor, but we kind of viewed it as a completely different thing. So I, I know, I know the shoes you've walked in because yeah. we've, we've talked about it. Um, uh, raising money, I, it was very difficult for us, but we tried to raise money from the buy side at a time when mm-hmm. they didn't have their vehicles. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure you've walked it and then trying to, once you launch something and trying to get people to connect and tech cycles and all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff, you just, you, you lose your patience. It drives you insane. But uh, it's a I, long road. And here you yeah. are today, one of the lions of the securities industry. Oh my God. <laughs> you hear this yeah. guy? <laughs> I'll fucking fire you. <laughs> you can't say that on tape. Yes, I can. Now we're warming up. So <laughs> I, I, I guess then we got, we got to go to the question and just, you know, maybe, you know, just tell the listeners, tell us, you know, what, what is pure stream? And, and we ask if you can tell it in, as simple fashion as you think you can, because believe it or not, we have people not in the industry who listen to this podcast and find this interesting. So as, yeah. as on industry jargon as you can make it, please do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so PureStream is a venue. Uh, it's an ATS. And it's predicated on the fact that there's more liquidity over an interval of volume than there is in any one moment in time or a single moment in time. And uh, I think the best way of describing that is think about what an execution algorithm does today. It's got 50,000 shares in it. That's the parent quantity. It's got a parent strategy, but its contribution to liquidity at any one moment in time is 200 shares per venue. So the shape of liquidity has has gone from, has become shallower, right? Because of the use of, of algorithms, but it's, it's very long. So when the shape of something that you're searching for changes, you you need to change the tool under which you search for it. And that's where PureStream comes in and specifically streaming. PureStream is the name of a venue. We operate two protocols, but streaming is that an attempt at uh, improving liquidity discovery between institutions. And um, you know, to simplify it down to down to two changes, and I might I might not meet your standard of of, of people that aren't in the industry understanding this. I just said that for John's benefit. To be <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so so yeah. the you know the the two key differences are the, the the first you know most ATSs reference the NDBO, which is just the national best bid best offer. And when, when someone is using the streaming protocol, we're referencing trades. So trades that took place within the NBBL. So you know, our reference has a quantity and a price. So you know, one of the things that I like to say is the price is only half a price discovery. You know, the weighted volume that takes place at each of those prices is critical. So we think that that's an improvement. Now, the second part, which is a little bit more I would say a little less intuitive is we're trying and go back to that shape of liquidity um, analogy that I made. We're trying to match people long, right? Because that parent quantity is substantial. We want to match them consistent with that parent strategy for that parent quantity. And what we believe that every strategy can be abstracted to is percentage rate, what we call the liquidity transfer rate. 
So we can match people and govern a match over an interval of volume referencing each of the the trades that take place. So Ronan, you're a buyer of 10%, John's a seller of 10%. We match you at 10%. So that that the stream was formed at 10%. Now on the, let's say IEX, a, a, a thousand shares trades on the bid side at 36, you guys and PureStream would trade 100 at 36. And two splits, you know, a microsecond later, a thousand shares trades on the offer, 3601. Well, you both would exchange 100 shares at 3601. So we're referencing each of the trades that takes place system-wide at that 10%. So some of the streams that we form are literally thousands and tens of thousands of trades because we're referencing every trade that takes place. And so, so to say, so both sides of the trade, um, and sorry, I may be a bit slow here, but both sides of the trade would then need to uh, agree at the outset what the time period over which you're going to be measuring um, these prices or or how do you decide the uh, both the volume and reference points that uh, that the two sides are, are going to, because people obviously have different levels. Of, I think it's size and percentage till that's done, right? That that's right. So we time is not part of the prescription, Got or it. it's not okay. part of the input that we take uh, in. It's the percentage rate, and as long as they have quantity, as long as they have a price limit left, and neither of them cancels. Literally, the stream could last the entire day. And we've had streams that have lasted the entire day. But it's important that the, you know, the broker whose um, algo is, is is coming to PeerStream has the ability to cancel at any moment in time and not be beholden to to a time or that so that's, time. So interval. that's interesting because when you, when you talk to so just for those out there who don't trade a whole ton, right? When you talk to institutional investors. Like Armando's saying, they put in the parent order and they say, I want to buy 100,000 shares of XYZ and they don't want to impact the price. So the broker, to Armando's point, slices that order up and machine guns little orders all over the market and tries to, you know, VWAP the market. But Mm -hmm. basically your volume trading also has an impact on what the price is. And what you're doing is when people match up and it's 10%, you're just basically knocking off 10% after every trade prints until you meet the volume. Exactly. So you're yeah. having no impact on the no price impact. because you're just reacting to what the price Yeah. Uh, very interesting. Yeah, and, and, and an over <laughs> in an over overly technical description of it, we, we really did separate the price discovery process from the liquidity discovery process, right? A percentage rate, if I said I wanted five hundred percent and you're a seller at ten percent there's no excess that impacts price the way that when you transact in quantity, right? If if I go to trade 5,000 shares and there's only 100 shares, well, the price changes. So yep. this percentage rate has another advantage as well. In addition to, you know, mitigating that price impact that you're talking about, it can be scaled up. So it isn't hyperbole. We literally match people up at 500%. So when that 1,000 shares trades, we're actually exchanging 5,000. Because you have both buyer and seller. Yeah, yeah, because we have both buyer and seller. They're institutional. They don't need a lot of price discovery. The, the, The reason that they're trading at the rates that they're trading at is to minimize impact because you know, just what I said, if you, if you send 5,000 in, you're going to impact the price. There's going to be temporary impact. to the, I'm sure the you price. get asked this question all the time. So it's, it's, it's meant from a genuine place, mm-hmm. but you're, you're going to print those trades off exchange to the TRF, right? When, when they occur. Yes. And 
do do pe- do people ask you questions about like gaming? Like if you see mm-hmm. every time, for example, a hundred shares prints, you know, half mm-hmm. a millisecond later or mm-hmm. however long you said, mm-hmm. you see five hundred shares print, a hundred, five hundred, a hundred, five hundred. Do you do anything to mitigate that? Is that something that you've seen? Just mm-hmm. more curious than anything. Yeah, uh, I mean, the short answer is yes. Uh, we do print to the TRF. Yes, there's a tag associated with them, uh, derivatively priced. And if someone wanted to, you know, spend the time and, and look at it, they they definitely would see it. Now, yeah. what what's important to understand is to put it in the context of something you and John talk about all the time, and that is the data feeds. No uh, profit seeker, no, no market maker, no one who's trying to front run or back run an order is looking at the tape for their input. They're getting it from the direct feeds, right? Yeah, Which is a play by play of the order. So yep. you, you, they literally know because the bid was removed, they can infer that it was a trade versus a cancellation because if it was a cancellation, they would have been told that. So you really have to understand information leakage and how it's occurring to be able to put in context that this is an, uh, an improvement. It's post-trade. And here's the other key thing. You're bilaterally matched with another person, and that's sacrosanct. We don't break that. So the profit seeker is what they're, what they're witnessing is a buyer and a seller in equilibrium. Big whoop. And, you know, that, that's, you know, the answer to the, you know, the information leakage. Uh, that well, may, and maybe to capture that in a different way, if I'm understanding you correctly, I mm-hmm. mean, one of the reasons you can provide these benefits is that your, 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 the counterparties are like-minded institutional participants yes. that are, they can both afford to be patients, to mm-hmm. use the term to some uh, significant degree, um, mm-hmm. and both have the same objectives and neither of whom is looking to game anybody else. Um, and uh, and that, that provides opportunities that you wouldn't have otherwise. That's right. And, and, you know, for an order to get into PureStream to be eligible for a match, there's validations. And you're exactly right in terms of they're being focused around like-mindedness. So, um, one, the order's got to be marketable to the far side to stream. It's got to be at least a thousand shares. A you know, market maker wants to put in ten orders for a hundred shares, not one order for a thousand, and they want to be deterministic. You know, they they want to be certain that they're going to trade at the mid only if they're going to receive a credit or they're going to target the offer. To come into PeerStream, you 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 need to you know, put the blindfold on and say, I'll accept a, a trade at the near side, far side, the middle, the quarter, the three-quarter spread. That is just not inter- interesting to them. And then the last component of it is we're not the, the cheapest uh, alternative on a rate basis. Like on a total cost basis, we make a very compelling argument that, that, that we're a bargain. But that rate matters to the market maker. It's it's irrelevant to the liquidity seeker. So, yeah, that's a big component of this uh, is making sure you have, you know, high quality pool. And, you know, like I described stream, you know, John just gave me a great uh, opportunity to describe the pure and pure stream. Right. I spent a large percentage of my career looking for the natural block. This yep. is the natural extension of that pure stream. How do, uh, I, I probably should know the answer, but I think people will want to know this answer anyway. Like, how do buy side get to you? Do they connect directly? Do they come through a broker? How do they stream? Yeah, on, only through a broker. Only okay. through mm-hmm. a broker. So, 
like we view, we're technically a broker dealer. You can't be an ATS without being a broker yep. dealer. That's that's part of the. Tell me know, about it. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, we don't want to compete with a broker dealer in any shape or fashion. So, you know that that's the the noble description of it. The second part is there's an opportunity cost of resting in any one venue and the the switching between trading point in time with child orders and then receiving the stream, only the brokers could do that. Only the brokers could do that. So we didn't want to be disingenuous and say, okay, buy side, when you want to rest an order, you can come in directly, but hey, all the hard work, broker dealers, you do that. So we, we made it um, really simple. We, we only have broker dealers as subscribers. Part of the reason you exist, part of the reason you, you, you provide value is that you provide an opportunity for people, uh, you know, like various other kinds of trading venues, um, to, to, to trade in ways that are not available on, uh, displayed public markets because of the fact, uh, you know, because of all of the, um, issues that we know about, um, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, some of the ability to detect trading and, um, latency advantages and all that sort of thing. Um, do you have any thoughts? Uh, you, you know, one of the things that we're in the process of, of doing now is I'm preparing our um, uh, comments and responses to uh, the proposals for regulatory reform, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in the public markets. Just given all of your prior experience, I'd be interested to hear if you have any thoughts um, about, uh, you know, in terms of the trading on uh, displayed markets in general um, and exchanges. Are you are there things that you think that the regulators could do or should do? to incentivize the right kind of, of trading on exchanges. Um, you know, there have been proposals around reducing the tick size, mm-hmm. reducing the access fees, yeah. um, all those kinds of things. Are there are there things that you think make sense? Yeah, I mean, I'll probably segue to some of the SEC proposals that, that, that you referenced. But yeah, I, I think it's very odd that a participant can have multiple bids in the book or multiple offers as opposed to representing it mm. as, as one quantity. And, you know, when anybody talks about tick, you mean at the same price, like someone yeah. could have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah. We I, aggregate our market data you, for that exactly. reason. But yeah. 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 Because that's a good what, point. Well, let's agree right here and now that that can't happen anymore. <laughs> We're going to outlaw that. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's really hard to intellectualize, what that is, un- yeah. un- unless <laughs> unless the probabilities of that being a good fill change, and you want to have different representation, or you you want to listen and learn to the market more than you want to have your yeah. Where your in the queue executed. you get fills tells yeah. informs you, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, as a, as a segue to some of the things that have been proposed, you know, I think it's an interesting reaction: access fee versus tick size. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think that, you know, on tick size, people have very quickly, you know, recognized, yeah, this, this doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm going to have to do a lot more liquidity discovery than I otherwise would, right? You know, to Ronan's point for everyday listeners, you know, think about if a, a gallon of gas was now quoted in, in quarter gallons, nobody would be confused that the price of a gallon of gas went from $4 to $1. You know, you, you, you yeah, know that. Right. And, and people picked up on that right away on tick size. I don't think they picked that up on access fee to the same degree. And, you know, a lot's been written about that. And it seems like universal consensus that that's a good 
uh, thing. It's 23 years old. Technology is less expensive. Yeah. But, but really, that access fee is compensation for a market maker taking the risk of actually losing uh, money. And how, how, what do we feel about that 23 years later? And I think we took out the chance of the quantity being displayed with the tick size being reduced down. That, that we're just going to get a quarter of a gallon of gas at a, at a dollar. Nothing's really going to change. And, and poor institution is going to have to do a lot more liquidity discovering than they otherwise you know, would have to do. You know, it could you know, be good for you guys. It, it, it would actually, yeah, yeah, it would, <laughs> it, it, it would, and we've stated that. You know, um, we we had a conversation with the regulator, and they said, "What do you think?" We said, "It's terrible, terrible from a market structure point of view." And uh, you know, I, I could kind of just tell that they were like, "Okay, what's their axe?" You know, <laughs> and I, I said, "This would be phenomenal for our business, uh, just you know, to kind of credentialize it a little bit more." And there's a lot of that going on, you know, the, the other, you know, payment for order flow. And we've got zero acts. There's no retail order that's making the threshold. We don't do anything in retail. But I was at a conference and someone who is involved in payment for order flow, they, they pay a lot for a lot of order flow. And they were warning the audience and, it, and the audience was mostly institutional. And it was like, be careful what you wish for. They may make you do the same thing. And, you know, lost in that was, that is exactly what institutions do, right? You, you, you've got an order for 50,000 shares. The average print size in the market is 200 shares. Do the math. You've got 250 fills that you've got to, that have to happen. Uh, you're going to a bunch of venues and you're sending 10 orders for every one fill that you get. You're going to send 2,500 orders out. So th- this is what's going to happen to retail where they're not going to be done in one fell swoop which will be good for the market makers. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I will say in terms of the, um, uh, talking about the access fees, and I, you know, I've got this on the brain because I'm like writing our freaking mm-hmm. comment letter, mm-hmm. which is uh, making me crazy. But it is, uh, you know, there's data that the, um, the access fees, um, probably, you know, heavily fund rebates on the other side. Um, the, well, the SEC um, determined, estimated that for the exchanges, you take out the auction stuff for intraday um, trading, uh, like, you know, the net capture rate is two mils, which basically means that uh, if you're charging the maximum of 30 mils, 30 cents for 100 shares, um, and then rebating all that uh, two mils of that, you're you're transferring over 90% of the total mm-hmm. incoming revenue um, to liquidity providers on the other side. And that's pretty heavily concentrated mm-hmm. among a relatively few firms too. Yes. So that on its face just looks a little fishy. Yeah. And I mean, it, it gets to another big cause that, that you guys have been behind. And that is, would the capture rate be so low if there weren't data sales, right? And, you oh, know, absolutely. you have to think yeah. about the, you know, the cross-funding of this model. And, it, you know, Bingo. as institutions, <laughs> what, what, you know, if you could ideally draw up what percentage of revenues an exchange earns, you would want it to be at least 50% in, in transactions, right? That, then they're going to, you know, they're going to they're gonna invest uh, a little bit more, but that's not, uh, you know, it's m- not the case when you not the, the rebate. No, yeah. absolutely it's, not. No, yeah. it's not. And we, you know, except we, for one venue, I know. 
Except why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't charge for a venue the way other exchanges do. I, you know, I keep asking, running. If we start to charge for it, get a, well, I get a bigger bonus. And anyway, anyway back from John's no. yeah. wackadoolical pivot, um, mm-hmm. just to end up on Pure Stream before we ask uh, more questions. <laughs> How's it going? Like, how much volume are you doing? Are you happy with that? Or what's the what's the most difficult? Because trust me, I I've I live this you know years later. But what's the most difficult thing for you in in, in garnering market share? Having the patience, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, that you, yeah. I, I think John said it before, and, and, and to, you, you really do have to be patient because it's not the sales cycle. People intuitively pick up that this would be good for them. People, I'm talking about broker dealers, but, yeah. the, but getting in their queue, getting them to actually execute on basically making their algorithm now bilingual, right? You know, speak streaming and speak child order, uh, for, yep. for lack of a better word. That's that's the toughest part. It's not making the sale. It's being patient enough to wait that out. Look, I, I mean, we're we're up to thirty million shares a day, double counted, which which is really great. Um, we've really picked up steam in you know I'd say the last four months. The forward looks really good, but this is really difficult. And um, you know, I'd imagine that every basis point of market share ahead of us is, you know, is equally as difficult as, as the ones that we've, you know, traversed. So, um, yeah, we have to, we have to stay, stay on it. Yeah, I know so, the feeling I always go, if you told me a basis point of market share would be a result of a thousand calls, I'll make a yeah. thousand calls a week, right? It's yeah. just, it just doesn't work that way. So it, it, yeah, it doesn't. And I think that the other thing is, and, and it's right, it takes people time to get enough data to really make a judgment that this this works and this is worth the investment. So here's a little tidbit for you: the arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. You're on mute. There you go. That <laughs> I am not on mute. Yeah, I, I should mute you. <laughs> yeah, you know, one one thing I want to make sure I don't. I'm not sure I mentioned it. At Thirty minutes is double counted. And I, I think that that's the right way to attribute it because we are matching, as the conversation before, like for yeah. like institutions. So anyway. Yeah, no, great. Congratulations. I mean, yeah, look, trust me, I, I, I know people don't come knocking at your door to do it. It, take, it takes a while. <laughs> patience is right. Uh, my, my patience is running out. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. so, with, with a lot of things, not you, Armando. Maybe, maybe John. Anyway, uh, separate to PureStream, then, uh, what are the most exciting areas of innovation in institutional trading today? Um, or like, or how do you and your team think about innovation, I guess? I mean, may, may, maybe it can be about PureStream, but like chat, GBT, all this other stuff. These oh, yeah, damn. Also- I, yeah, I was going to ask a question about AI. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you fucking stole my question. <laughs> That's okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, no, it just seems like everybody's uh, like all the cool kids are doing AI now. You know, yeah. it used to be all the cool kids were. Yeah, trained, I don't even know if it is AI, AI, but they call it AI. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, I would say brokers applying streaming is definitely number one by a pretty far amount, and we're definitely in the early innings. But but you guys have been nice. I I, I gave a good overview of that. I think the close is an area ripe for innovation. You know, it's 10% of the market's volume, but institutionally, you know, if institutions are 30% of the market, it's a big portion of what they're getting done because the 10% is overwhelmingly institutional, right? So it's about a third of the liquidity that institutions are getting. And our work shows that the increase in the volume is nearing the close. Is, is much more correlated to the pair-off and not the imbalance. And that, that's a little illogical. 
And what I infer from that and what I, you know, customers that we talk to um, have concluded is the close, the institutions that the, that's benchmarked to the close is being paired with a profit seeker. That profit seeker is, is trading before the close because they've been paired off. They know they've been paired off. They've been paired off for 10 minutes and they're yep. going to trade the last two minutes and they're going to keep that spread. So um, we're, we're, we've come out with an order type reference on the close and the key differentiator is we're, we're, we're not locking people in until the closing price is known and then we do the uncross at that point in time. So it really protects the information. Now, the, the, how this relates to streaming as well is we already reference the close when two orders are streaming. So the brokers have to change their logic to not cancel the order at 3.59 and 55 <laughs> seconds. Yeah, yeah. they gotta, they got to hang out for you know 30 seconds past 4 o'clock. But our technology ignores all the trades, waits for the official closing price. And if in that example before we were paired off on 10%, we would get 10% of wherever the, the closing price is. And now we're giving people the ability to just reference one trade. That's one big area. I think that the other, and maybe this lends itself to artificial intelligence as, as, as well, is re- real-time market profiling. Like we've all heard of, of, and I've spent time on the sell side, where the broker's more interested in what the markout is for a certain customer, and we're not profiling the market. Right. When I was on the sell side, one of the things that I always looked at is how volatile are the customers that cost us money on on risk? And it was really volatile. You know, it was a separate group of customers every quarter and they were good customers, too. So what we focused on was how do we know what market conditions are like? Now, that can be applied in a lot of different ways. Here's one side relevant transaction cost analysis. Like a pre-trade impact estimate should not be symmetrical, right? A buy and a sell can't both be seven cents at the the top. You know, at at the top, I don't need any concession to sell it to you. And there is no concession you would concede that I will, you know, that I'll be able to live to tell about buying it at the top. So there's got to be something that that starts to make the the pre-trade estimates, you know, asymmetrical, which leads to the thing that probably – would, would impact execution outcomes the most, which is what's the right strategy in the right, under the right market conditions? And that is where AI should be targeting. It shouldn't be targeted. And, and I've talked to a lot of brokers, and most of them are targeting uh, using AI for venue selection as opposed mm-hmm. to assessing the environment and assessing what strategy is best in that environment and advising their client as to, why this is the right. And only the brokers have the budget to do this. Each of the buy side firms doesn't have enough data and, you know, is not going to be able to, you know, invest in doing this properly. So it's a, a huge opportunity for the brokers in terms of innovation. Jesus, it's a good answer, man. That's a very good answer. Oh, good. A, I, so, I, someone I, did his pre pod homework. Well, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah. I was I'm actually, starting a new company. <laughs> I was starting to get self conscious. You know, you, 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 you guys didn't break in. You're, you know, yeah. I, yeah, I've listened no, to No, 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 no. We were transfixed. I mean, Ronan, I don't know if he was just it actually stupefied makes or, yeah. or if he was actually absorbing it all. Well, you but fell it was, asleep. I did not. But, you know, another one more question did occur to me where you were talking about all of the pressure on the 
close and the amount of, yeah. uh, uh, and the challenge there. I mean, that exists in part because we're still largely in the equities, uh, space, you know, so, uh, stuck to largely, uh, you mm-hmm. know, six an hour, uh, half an hour trading day, uh, where most of the trade now, obviously there, the, the, that's been expanded some and we've got a, uh, you know, this 24X, uh, mm-hmm. exchange that's trying to get approved that would, um, sort of, what, what are your thoughts about that? Um, do you really think, uh, that, that there is a demand for markets to go 24 hours? Are there benefits from that? Are there risks? Are, uh, do, do you think there's really an appetite for it? I, I think there is a huge opportunity for this. I, I'm very bullish on it. And it's been proven in, in other asset classes. It's been proven in, in the S&P futures. The only caveat I would put on it is you cannot replicate the market structure that we have 930 to 4 in the U.S. and think that that's going to work 4 o'clock to 930 yep. you know, yep, overnight. Exactly. Zero chance. And, and I'm not even sure that's what we would want to do. So I really do think that there's – uh, you know, a really, really, really a big opportunity. And it, it's an opportunity that we are looking at, but we have a plan, but we need to have a lot of things happen before we could kind of lead in an endeavor like that. But I've given you already a clue. It, it, you know, we don't replicate the market structure that exists 930 to 4. But yeah, I, I do. I definitely think that there's a, you know, a huge opportunity there. You don't want to relax at four o'clock on a Friday till nine thirty on Monday. <laughs> it's like, it's why it's my I, favorite time when the system's not running. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't like, want like, to nothing do can anything. break. Yeah. I don't want to do yeah. anything yeah. that makes it going to have to make me work harder. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, well, there's another element. Of, there's another element of that. Like, you, you know, eleven thirty Europe closes, right? Um, we, you know, we, we wouldn't have to extend our hours to give them extended hours. Eleven thirty to four. You know, stay eleven thirty to four. That still would help Europe, and you know, you could be open your whole day and let people in Asia change their uh, hours to trade on. Can you imagine proposing markets? more hours for the Europeans? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's there's more chance of rebates being banned, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, we got to ask you so, our which question. Which is what Ronan means to say. It doesn't yeah, yeah. mean to cast any aspersions on uh, Europeans in general. Or, no, I, I'm yeah, technically European. Yeah, so there you well, go. Well, guess, Jesus, that, that explains it. Yeah. So we ask every guest this question, Armando. Mm-hmm. You can't really have a wrong answer, so I won't boo you. But um, what's your favorite Wall Street movie and why? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge to see if you don't gong me and and, and boo me <laughs> on this one. So because it's not a movie and it's not explicitly about That's Wall good. Street. I'm tired <laughs> <of you>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, uh, exactly. How about Drive to Survive? Uh, F1. Oh man, that you, show is amazing. Yeah, it is amazing, yeah. and I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that you no, said I'm drawing that. a blank here. I okay, it's a Formula did. One documentary yeah. on Netflix. Oh. It's fucking incredible. Oh wow! Yeah. Five yes. seasons. I watched the whole fifth season wow. last week, and it came out last yeah. week. It's the, I'm, I'm yeah. halfway through. Yeah, um, oh. but but think think about the investment in the car, right? And think about the investment in the algo. Think about the natural trade off: speed versus impact human versus machine. And even within human, you've had engineers versus drivers. It is a perfect analogy to electronic trading. It's funny you say uh, that. You know, uh, Mercedes use KDB, mm -hmm. which KX, which is the database software we use to run our exchange. Yeah. Yeah. Really? That's fascinating. I had no idea. The amount of data points, like you... 
These guys, when you see the, the 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 team managers and principals during the race, it looks like they're sitting in front of trading screens. It's like yeah, exactly. It's mental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like a trading desk. They're all yeah. wearing headsets. It's it, yeah. yeah, it's precision. Staring at screens. Yeah, yeah. Precision measurement coexisting with subjective strategies, and they they untangle it at the end. Now, you don't get a boo. That was a good answer. Okay, no, that was a Christ. damn good answer and one of the more innovative, Amanda, interesting yeah. answers that we've ever had on the show. Uh, you, you I think we should give you something more than a pair of fucking socks. Yeah, you should geez. come up with a better I, I may get a second invite. I know Igor and Saluzzi are the only two that uh, have been about oh, a second time. So. <laughs> Igor. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Yeah. You, 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 I'm going you for might, three. I got to overtake them. The competition is on out there. What say you, Igor, Boris? Yeah. That's oh, classic. did I get that wrong? It's Boris. Yeah, but, it, but it's even better. better. It's yeah. much better. I'm going to call We're him. We're personal e- friends I'm with call the him guy from Igor from yeah, now yeah. on. Yeah, Igor's a better name for him. It is. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, that's great. Well, Good. you've been a great crest. We appreciate you joining. And a great crest. Yeah. And a great crest. Yeah. Great, great crest. Yeah, it's been a Thank lot. Thank you of very fun. much. Thank you. And I'm sure, and I'm sure we'll do it again. And we'll All over right. and out. Cue shit, Irish accent. God bless you. Goodbye till next time. Boxes and lines is a podcast from IEX Exchange. It is hosted by Ronan Ryan and John Ramsey. Executive produced by Daisy Clace. With support from Benstown. For more information and to hear more episodes, go to iexexchange.io slash podcast. Thank you for listening to Boxes and Lines. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational and educational purposes only. And IEX Group Incorporated and its affiliates do not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation or offer to buy or sell any securities or provide any investment advice or service. Some portions of the preceding conversation may have been edited for length or clarity. Copyright IEX Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. 